It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 399 for June 29th, 2014. This week, you'll find no bloated stories, just a series of short takes. TechSmith's Fuse is a great concept with somewhat poor execution. Avast offers backup for Android devices, and the bugs come along at no extra charge. Lots of spams this week include links to malware sites. Netgear's option for network-attached storage works, but only for small drives. Maxthon releases a mobile browser with guts, and the Supreme Court slaughters Aereo. To say this week's program consists of nothing new would be partly right, but mostly wrong. Many of this week's topics have come up before, but in passing, or accompanied by a promise that I would provide more information when I had it. So, this is the week that some of those rhetorical chickens come home to roost. We'll start with Snagit Fuse. Documenting applications on iOS or Android devices has always been a little bit of a chore. After grabbing a screenshot, you had to find a way to move the image to a desktop system. In my case, the easiest method involved using FTP to transfer the image to a hidden directory on the TechBiter server, and then using FTP to move the image from the server to my PC. There should be an easier way, I thought, and now there is. In a review of Snagit 12 on June 15th, I mentioned Fuse in passing. Fuse is a free application from TechSmith for Android and iOS devices. It is not a screen capture utility. Your device has built-in functions for that. What it does is automate the process of moving an image from the portable device to the desktop. As automation goes, it doesn't get a lot easier than that. Fuse does more than just transfer images and videos, though. When you start the application, you'll be offered options to view the image library, to record a video, or to take a picture with the built-in camera. The library function is what you'll use to send an image to Snagit on a computer, and the library has three rooms. Fuse library, you'll find images and videos created by Fuse in there. Gallery, that's all the other images in the phone or tablet's default image directory. And screenshots, that's the default location the device uses for screen images. So at this point, I would select screenshots to view the captured images that are available. When you select an image, it'll open a larger thumbnail image with icons at the bottom of the screen. The icons illustrate the three options you have for transferring the image to Camtasia, to Snagit, or to TechSmith Relay. Relay is a video sharing service that's intended primarily for instructional use, both in schools and businesses. It includes functions that allow users to create quizzes and analyze the results. Tap the Snagit icon, and if you're on the same Wi-Fi network as a computer that you've already paired with the tablet or phone, the image will be transferred immediately. If you're not on a network with a paired computer, or if you haven't yet paired Snagit to any computer with Fuse, you'll have the option to add a new device. 
When you add a device, you'll be instructed to have the desktop version of Snagit display a QR code, then pointing the tablet or phone's camera at the QR code on the computer's screen pairs the two devices. That's something else. It really just doesn't get any easier than that. All of the images that are sent to Snagit by Fuse are shown as originating in Fuse. Because original images were not created by Snagit, they arrive in PNG format instead of Snagit's proprietary Snag format. If you need to use Snagit's markup capabilities, you can of course save the image in Snag format. There is a problem with Fuse though. It downsamples images. Quick aside here. In just a moment, I'll tell you about an update to the Maxthon browser for Android devices. The original version is still available, but a new HD version is outstanding on high-definition devices. So the problem with downsampling images from there is that they become fuzzy. Even at low resolution, you can see the problem on the TechBiter Worldwide website, but be sure to click the image to see the full-size version. You'll see the full scope of the problem. I have no idea why TechSmith decided to implement Fuse this way, but it's a little disappointing. I thought that it made Fuse a non-starter for now, and I let TechSmith's media relations team know about my concerns on Wednesday, reached out to the support team on Thursday. On Friday, Nate at TechSmith Support told me that there is a setting in Snagit 12 that forces images to be maintained at their normal resolution. I have tested that setting, and I can confirm that the images arrive just as they should. Problem solved. But I've also recommended to TechSmith that this setting be enabled by default. paid version of Avast's protective applications on the desktop system, and the company offers a free Android backup system that I've been using for a while. There's also a paid version that includes more protective features, so I'm using that. Writing a backup application is a fairly easy job. Identify the files that have changed since the previous backup and back them up. Apparently Avast assigned this task to someone who wasn't up to the challenge, so I call this section Avast's Android Backup Application is Only Half Vast. And my, do you have to be careful how you say that. At least once a day, the backup fails. Sometimes I receive a message from Avast that says, the maximum storage size of your Google Drive account has been reached. Google Drive, however, reports that I am using just 2.2 gigabytes of the available 36 gigabytes. That's about 6% of the available space. I'm fairly certain that the Android device is not attempting to back up nearly 34 gigabytes of data. Other errors I've seen tell me the program can't find the directory. Well, the directory is there. Or that the credentials failed. However, the credentials work just fine when I run the program manually or that the Google Drive hasn't been set up. But when I click the link to set up Google Drive, the program tells me that Google Drive has already been set up. When I run the backup manually, it finds that the account's credentials work just as expected, the amount of space available is sufficient for the backup, and the directory where the backup files are stored is available. And the backup then runs successfully to completion. 
If you've installed Avast's Android backup system at 15 bucks a year, you may have encountered the same problem. According to Daniel Kornick at Avast, Sadly, it appears that you have encountered the latest bug in the Avast mobile backup app. We're currently gathering data for our developers so they can track down the cause and fix it. The most recent news from our developers is that the probable cause has been found and the fix is now in testing. So hang in there. Occasionally, I turn off my spam elimination applications just to see what's out there. When I did that this week, I found an astonishing increase in spams that directed me to websites that would attempt to plant malware on the computer, given half a chance. Well, I didn't give them half a chance, and neither should you. There is no shortage of routine crap, such as a message that says, Warning, you'll be shocked by this video, exposed the secret to normalized blood sugar, abundant energy, and unparalleled fat loss. Well, it's obviously a fraud. But there were no malware alerts. What I found in abundance, though, were messages that looked a lot like run-of-the-mill spam, such as those for 100-year-old Amish wood-cleaning formula. What you should do when you have a gun pointed at your head. Wow, I saw a lot of those. A restaurant coupon finder or one for cat food or dog food or just about any other staple that people might be looking for, including groceries. What each of these messages had in common was a warning from my protective software about a site that would attempt to plant malware on the computer. Attached storage, or NAS, is really handy, particularly if you have more than one computer in your home or office. Router manufacturers have been adding USB connectors to some of their routers so that users can plug in a USB drive and use it as network-attached storage. I had been using an old USB drive on my Netgear router, but that drive died, and then the fun began when I attached a larger drive. Uh, perhaps my definition of fun differs a bit from yours. When I replaced the drive that had failed, I had two options. A 1TB drive for $71 or a 2TB drive for $80. Easy decision. I bought the $80 drive. When I plugged it in, though, the router didn't see it. The drive is formatted, and it is recognized by any PC that I connected to. I tried connecting it both to the USB 2.0 port on the back of the router and the USB 3.0 port on the front of the router. The drive is a USB 3.0 device. It's a Seagate 2TB drive. I confirmed that the external power supply was connected, the power light was on. Netgear does warn about trying to use drives that require drivers, but this is a standard Seagate USB drive. No drivers required. Pressing Refresh did nothing. Pressing Edit or Create Network Folder on the router interface returned no disk. I tried rebooting the router. I tried rebooting the computer. Nothing happened. 
So then I tried working with Netgear support, and after more than two weeks and several missed calls at times promised by Netgear, I am no closer to solving the problem than I was. Netgear sent a replacement router. It exhibits exactly the same behavior. So I now have two routers that cannot detect any drive larger than one terabyte. Additional calls are scheduled, and I'll let you know when or if this is ever resolved. How about some nice stuff? On the May 18th program, I described a browser from China, Maxthon, but I didn't say much about it at the time. This week, I'm still not going to say a whole lot about it, but I will share a couple of reasons that you might want to consider it for your desktop systems and why you might particularly want to consider it for Android or iOS tablets and Windows phones. Maxthon has several advantages, one of which is speed. The browser renders pages very quickly. This is a somewhat subjective consideration, and it is affected by network speed and a variety of other factors. But pages do seem to render with just a little more snap in Maxthon. A feature added this week will be of interest to those who don't like commercials that appear prior to videos on some websites. To obtain this feature, you have to download and install a plugin. Maxthon says its new ad skipper feature eliminates forced view advertising by allowing users to fast forward through it. The technology uses a combination of prefetching and a new approach to managing browser runtime environments to accomplish the task. But Maxthon's expansion strategy is focused less on the desktop and more on mobile devices. And that's what got my attention this week, a new HD version of the browser for portable devices. HD for high definition. The display on my Nexus 7 Android tablet is little short of amazing. Desktop users might find useful features in Maxthon. Users of portable devices most certainly will. In a 6-3 decision, the Supreme Court has found in favor of TV networks in the case against Aereo. That's the company that captured over-the-air TV broadcasts for users and made video streams available on portable devices via the Internet. TV stations are used to receiving big payments from cable companies for retransmitting local broadcast signals. Well, those TV stations cried foul. Now, I still don't understand why cable companies should have to pay TV stations for retransmitting their signals. Given that TV stations sell advertisements based on the number of viewers the station has, it seems to me that the cable companies are being forced to pay TV stations for actions that actually benefit the TV stations. Aereo made it possible for people to watch TV programs on their own schedule, not unlike using a TiVo device at home. That usage is legal. But the Supreme Court says that the Aereo model is not, even though Aereo tried very hard to create a system that is legal. 
I find myself being reminded of the early days of MP3 file sharing. Many of the startups back then that specialized in file sharing attempted to find ways to work with the record companies. The record companies refused. Well, now the broadcasters are arguing that Aereo and other services that use the same model would cheat them out of the billions of dollars they receive each year from cable and satellite companies. And yes, I said billions, with a B, of dollars. The Supreme Court bought that argument. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.